Take your Bibles, if you would, and let's open the Word of God this morning to the book of Leviticus. Leviticus, that exciting book in the Bible. That's right, brother, exciting. The priesthood and the offerings is what you learn about in the book of Leviticus. It paves the way to understand the offering that Jesus made of himself on Calvary and how he shed his precious blood to take away our sins. So the book of Leviticus will help you with that. We're going to be in chapter 17 this morning, the book of Leviticus, chapter 17. And we're going to read just one verse as our text, verse 11. Leviticus, chapter 17, and we're going to read verse 11 together. So when you found your place, let's stand for the reading of God's Word, and we'll have prayer, and then read that verse together. All right, so let's pray together. Father, how we thank you for your word today. We thank you for this wonderful truth about the sacrifice that takes away our sins. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege of knowing that there is a sacrifice that God will accept for the covering of our sins, that we might have forgiveness and that we might have eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so we ask you, Lord, to bless the reading of your word and the message today, give us understanding of of this truth, that we may apply it to our hearts and lives and share it with others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. The Bible says there, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. So I want us to read that one more time. And I want you to notice the word atonement as we read. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. And I want to preach on that word this morning, the word atonement. Thank you. You may be seated. This verse is important, well, just as all of the verses in the Bible are important, because it is, in truth, the Word of God, and God gives it to us today in this context of the offerings and the sacrifices that we might truly understand this ingredient and how powerful the blood is. It gives us appreciation for what Jesus did on the cross and why His sacrifice at Calvary is so important. When we come to the Bible, obviously we come because we want to hear from God. When we come to church, it's really much the same way. Is there any word from God? The yearning of our heart is to meet the Lord in these places. And we want to hear from the Lord. With that thought in mind, I want to begin a series that I want to preach on Sunday mornings entitled, Words from God's Word. Words from God's Word. I'm not going to preach every word. Obviously, we'd be here till the millennium covering all that. What we'll do is we'll just take one from each letter and we'll just move right through the alphabet. I want to start with the letter A and look at this word in Leviticus chapter 17. It's the word atonement. And this word is important. It's important for us to understand that atonement comes from the application of the blood in God's sacrificial system. There is misunderstanding about this, even among Christians. 
People think that just the death of Christ was sufficient. Well, the death of Christ is a powerful part of what Calvary describes to us. But if we do not include the blood, then we're all in trouble. Because we understand from this passage that the blood that Jesus shed on Calvary is what made atonement for our souls. Now this passage is describing the Old Testament sacrificial system that was instituted in Israel. But if you understand the the message, the narrative of of the Scripture, then you know that this was a foreshadowing of what Christ was going to do on the cross. And it was the blood of Jesus that makes an atonement for our souls. As a matter of fact, 1 John uh, makes that very clear, that the blood of Jesus takes away our sins. Not just His death, but the blood that He shed. And by the way, that's, that's the reason that He chose the crucifixion as the means of His death. So that there would be the shedding of blood. And, and we know that doctrinally, Jesus took and made, made that application of His own blood on the mercy seat in heaven. If you're interested in studying more about that, look at the tabernacle and the Holy of Holies, and how the high priest went in, and he carried the blood in the basin and sprinkled it there on the, on the mercy seat, the throne of God uh, there in the Holy of Holies. And that's what Jesus did in heaven for us. That's what he meant when he told Mary, touch me not, I've not yet ascended to the Father. There were things Jesus was doing behind the scenes uh, during, during those, those moments that we, that we see him absent in the scriptures at that time. He was making atonement for our souls. Atonement, understanding this word, some people, some people teach this word and, and explain it like this. They say atonement really is at one meant. It's the process by which mankind is brought back and made one with God. That can only happen because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. The Bible says that He is our mediator. Christ Jesus. There's only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So He makes us one with God again. He did that by the sacrifice of Himself and the shedding of His blood on the cross of Calvary. Atonement is the reconciliation of the sinner to God who is holy. Some Bible students remember this word as at-one-ment, as I shared with you a moment ago. It's the idea that God brings us back together in fellowship with Himself through through this application of the blood sacrifice called the atonement. The atonement is accomplished by a sacrificial offering. In this text, Leviticus 17, 11, God taught us early on that there needed to be an atonement for our souls because of sin. In the Old Testament, God revealed this truth through the graphic act of animal sacrifices. Those sacrifices served as a reminder to all of the high cost of forgiveness and salvation and the fact that no person is exempt from this price. All need salvation and atonement Because all have sinned. I'm sure you've noticed that we no longer see those graphic images of animal sacrifice. This is because God provided the ultimate sacrifice in Himself. 
that would pay the sin debt of all mankind. It was the sacrifice of His dear Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us as an offering for all our sins on the cross of Calvary. His offering makes it possible for us to receive at one with God. This forgiveness of sins and peace with God is only available through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The word atonement is a word that means to cover. If you look it up by definition, it means to appease, it means to cleanse, to forgive, to pardon, or to purge away. The blood of Jesus Christ provided that which would be a covering to our sins, that would blot out our sins in such a way that they would never be seen again. It meant that we could be cleansed of them, that we could be forgiven, that we could receive pardon. There are many other verses in the Bible that allude to this idea of atonement, and I want to read a few of them to you. This morning, 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Hebrews 10.4 says, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Hebrews 10.10 says, by the, which, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Verse 12, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Mark 15, 38 says, and the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. John 1, 29, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. John 10.11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. John 10.17, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Jesus saith unto him, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Hebrews 1, 1, 1 through 3 actually says, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53.1 says, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? 1 Corinthians 5.7 says, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. 
Ephesians 5, 2, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. 1 Peter 1, 18, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Revelation 5, 8 and 9 says, And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Hebrews 9, 11, and 12 says, But Christ, being come and high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? I want us to think for a moment about this matter of atonement. And I want us to understand what God gave us when He sent His Son to be that sacrificial lamb, to shed His blood on the cross of Calvary. Atonement is only acquired through the blood of Jesus Christ being applied to your life and your account with God. You see, friend, this is why it doesn't work to try harder and do better and be good. I'm not saying we shouldn't do that, but I'm saying our efforts, our goodness, our behavior, as best as it can be, is not enough to wash away our sins. No housewife does her dishes in the evening by just taking a paper towel and wiping them off. You do that and put them in the cupboard. She comes behind you finding them that way. (laughs) I would dare say you're in trouble. (laughs) Every dish must pass through the soap and the water, right? That, That Dawn dishwashing liquid or whatever brand you use. Because the cleansing agent has to be applied before we declare that dish to be clean. Isn't that right? Somebody trying to be good, good enough to get to heaven, it's kind of like you trying to clean a dish without using soap. Where is the cleansing agent? Good works do not erase bad ones. That's why we sing the song that says, What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. 
The blood of Jesus is the cleansing agent that washes away our sins. It's not church membership. It's not good behavior. It's not even the water in the baptistry. Peter reminded us of that. That it's not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but baptism is the answer of a good conscience toward God. We follow the Lord in believers' baptism. We do that as an act of obedience to Him. That doesn't save us. The only way you and I can be saved is through Jesus Christ and through the blood that He shed on the cross. That has to be applied to us as the cleansing agent that can wash away our sins. Dear friend, nothing else will do. Think about it. The Bible tells us plainly in Genesis chapter 3, and this could be point number one if you're taking notes, sin originated with Adam and Eve in the garden. Would you turn there with me to Genesis chapter 3? And in Genesis chapter 3, we find the whole story of how the serpent came and tempted Eve uh, and, and talked her into uh, eating the forbidden fruit. But I want you just to see plainly her action in verse 6. Genesis chapter 3, and then notice with me in verse 6. Looking now at Eve's choice, the Bible says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And after verse 6, what we have is a fallen human race. Sin has entered into the picture. What is sin? Sometimes we get horror thoughts of what sin is. Well, some sin is utterly horrible. All sin is utterly horrible. But to us, some sin doesn't look so horrible. You know, like we, we gauge the severity of sins, but God doesn't. We say, oh, listen, hey, that wasn't anything bad, you know? It was just a little white lie. Really? First of all, where did color get assigned to behavior? So are we saying this one is a white one, it's okay, and if we have a black one, then it's not okay? What does a black lie look like? What's the difference? If you read Revelation 21.8, you won't find any colorful lies. The Bible says all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. God told Adam and Eve that when they sinned, they would surely die. And we need to remember that sin is simply disobeying God. That doesn't sound so bad, eating a piece of fruit. What made it bad is that God told them not to do that. And they did it anyway. They disobeyed God. And friend, I'm telling you this morning... When you and I disobey God, it's just as bad, horrible, ugly, dark as when Adam and Eve disobeyed God. Even when it's something seemingly harmless like eating a piece of fruit. 
But this fruit was not harmless. This fruit had a grave effect on them, more than they would ever realize. And the serpent was not their friend when he talked them into disobeying God. Because God is true to His Word. The Bible says that God is truth. He cannot lie. And He told Adam and Eve, In the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. And I don't know how many times I've heard even Bible teachers say, Well, they didn't die. Yes, they did. We'll show you that in a moment. Sin originated with Adam and Eve in the garden. This is where sin started. It started with little innocent things, things that don't seem all that harmful or all that bad. And I'm telling you, when the devil gets up on your shoulder and whispers those same things in your ears, may your mind see red flags waving. Here we go again. Because the Bible says he is a liar and the father of it. I want you to see, number two, that Adam and Eve attempted to cover their sin by two things. Number one, fig leaf aprons. That was their first attempt to cover their sin. And the second attempt was by hiding from God. And both of those efforts failed miserably. God rejected their coverings. I want you to see this if you'll look with me in Genesis 3. Look at verse 7. The Bible says, And the eyes of them both were opened. Remember I said that sin was going to affect them more than they would ever realize? This is that effect. Their eyes were opened, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Now I want you to understand something. When we read verse 7, what we're seeing here is man's attempt to cover his own sin. It has never worked. It didn't work for Adam and Eve. It didn't work for Cain. It didn't work for any generation after them. And it won't work if you or I try it today. We cannot sufficiently cover our sins. That's why we need atonement. That's why Jesus' death and shed blood on Calvary is so important. It's the only way. Look at verse 8 through 11, if you will. I want you to see their second effort to cover their sins was to hide from God. Notice in verse 8, And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? Here we go. And the blame game started. He said, Well, the woman you gave me, she made me do it. God looked at her and she said, Well, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. God looked at the serpent, and then God pronounced the punishment of sin, the curse that would come. Now, we understand that God did not accept their hiding. He found them. He made them come clean and stand before Him. God did not accept their apron, their fig leaf 
clothing that they had made to cover their sins. We're going to see more of that in a moment. And we understand that, that God rejected those things. And then he began to pronounce judgment on sin and tell them what the consequences now were going to be because of their actions. And I want you to understand that all sin has consequences. Don't just look at the fruit. The Bible says in verse 6 that Eve saw how good it was. Look at that again, would you? Look at, look at verse, verse 6. And when the woman saw the tree was good for food. Hey, look, I want you to understand something. She, she did the same thing that we do when we go to a restaurant. She looked at the fruit and she, in her own heart, she believed that it would be good. Had she ever tasted the fruit before? No. Did she not know that it wouldn't taste like a persimmon in her mouth? Well, she didn't know that. She was believing the lie of Satan. You know, this is what happens before any of us sin. We start to believe something that's an illusion. When you go to a restaurant, you pick your meal, and you say, wow, I think this would be good. And so you pick it. And how do you know it would be good? You don't. You're looking at an illusion. It's called a picture on the menu. And you look at that steak or that hamburger or whatever it is, that chicken, and you think, boy, that man, that, you see how moist, you see how, how thick, you see how, you know, and we begin to imagine how tasty that would be based on the picture. And then a little while later, they bring their plate and set it right in front of you. Have you ever compared the plate to the picture? No, because they take the menu. They don't want you to do that. Because if you compare what you get to what you saw, hey, you're going to be disappointed heavily. I'm, I'm going to tell you that. Because never does the real thing look like the image that they used to get you to order it. Am I the only one that's been that way? <laughs> right? But what do we do? We look at that picture and we believe, hey, that looks good. I'm going to get that. Well, that's what was happening to Eve. She was being deceived by what she saw and heard. She had no idea what the experience of eating that was going to be like. And because of that, she was willing to do it anyway. Okay, so she was deceived by the devil. Hey, listen, if she could be deceived, you can be deceived. I can be deceived. And we need to understand that God is going to reject our effort to cover sin. There will be consequences. Number three, if you're taking notes, God demonstrated atonement with the sacrifice of lambs. Hence, God made them coats of skin. God didn't take the, the fig leaves off of Adam and Eve and say, well, you don't need clothing. Because now, at this point, they, they do need clothing. But He shows them the only acceptable way to cover themselves. Now, I want you to see this in the Scripture. Notice verse, the same chapter, Genesis 3. Go with me to verse 21. The Bible says, And unto Adam also, and to his wife, 
did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them? Why did He do that? Because sin needs a covering. Where did we, what, kind of, what, what skins were these? Well, they were animal skins. We're going to learn later in the book of Leviticus that God's chosen animal was a lamb. That's what He used in the, in the, in the offering system, in the sacrificial system. It doesn't say that here, but we see that God took an animal, that's the only way you can get a skin, to slay that animal and, and remove the skin, and the skin became the coat, the covering that Adam and Eve would wear. Now, without flipping through all the verses and doing a Bible study, I'll let you do this on your own later, but we know that, that, that God took them through this process, and then Adam and Eve later would have sons, Cain and Abel, and we know that Cain and Abel, without having a copy of the book of Leviticus, which wouldn't have been written yet because there were no priests to perform the ceremonies, Cain and Abel already knew about God's sacrificial offering and, and to bring a lamb to be slain before God. And the Bible says Abel brought the right kind of offering, but Cain brought the fruit of the ground in his harvest. He brought some of his crops. Cain brought his best effort, the work of his own hands. He brought that to the Lord instead of a blood sacrifice like Abel brought. So what we see there in the story of Cain and Abel is that Abel was being obedient, understanding what God required to cover sin. Abel brought the kind of offering that God would accept, but Cain brought his own offering. Well, we know the story. God did not accept Cain's offering. Now, I want to ask you a question. How did Cain and Abel know about the sacrificial system if they didn't have the book of Leviticus? It had to be that they were taught by Adam and Eve, who were taught by God, receiving their own coverings of skins from animals. Then this animal must have been a lamb. Now, that's a little creology for you. Okay, that's my opinion. I'll, I'll tell you that up front. But there's no other way to connect the dots. Obviously, this information is passed on. It just makes sense that it started here. So we find that God demonstrated atonement with Adam and Eve. He explained to them the way of salvation with this sacrifice of this lamb. They, they received coverings of skins. Then, because of sin, guess what happened? Adam and Eve were put out of the garden. This separation illustrates the consequences of sin and the need for atonement that we all have. Look with me in Genesis chapter 3. Look at verses 23 and 24. Notice the Bible says, Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man. And he placed at the east of, e of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Now, let's stop for a moment. Just hit pause there with the story of Adam and Eve. 
Didn't God say, the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die? Isn't that right? And people say, oh, well, they didn't die. God was merciful. What is death? The definition, biblically, is a separation. The first death is when the body and soul are separated. And we have a funeral and place the body in the ground. The soul lives on. The Bible says there's a second death. What is the second death? The second death is when the soul is separated from God for eternity and cast into the only other place there is to go, the lake of fire. If death is a separation and not a cessation, we don't cease to exist at death. If death is a separation, then God was true to His Word. And the day Adam and Eve sinned, they died. They were separated from the presence of God in the garden. They were cast out of that place, and there was a sword there to protect it so that they could not enter again. That's what sin did in Adam and Eve's life. That's why atonement is required. It's necessary. God pronounced that judgment upon them, and it came to pass just like He said it would. All of their experience and all of their days afterward were outside of that wonderful place that God had made for Him to dwell with Adam and Eve there. That was now out of the picture. That fellowship that they had, that special place, was now off limits. This is number four if you're taking notes. The Bible says, all have sinned. Therefore, all of us need atonement. The Bible says in Romans 5.12, As by one man, wherefore as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You know, it'd be easy for us to look back and just blame it all on Adam and Eve. But the problem with that is we are just as guilty as they. Not only were we born into this world with a sin nature, but there was a time in each one of our lives when you and I knew the difference between right and wrong, and we did it anyway. And that is our sin. It's not just all Adam and Eve's sin. See, we have our own to contend with. And therefore, we too are guilty. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, it says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So you and I, we just don't measure up. And without some help from heaven, we'd never make it there. Because the Bible says, we've come short of the glory of God. Look, miss it by an inch or miss it by a mile, you still miss. We look around at each other and we say, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. But you still miss. And it's only the blood of Jesus that can cover our sins, bring that pardon and forgiveness that we need, and restore that fellowship with God again. It's the only thing that will do that. 
And that's why all of us need to have this atonement. That's why Jesus Christ died for everyone. That's why the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Because we've all sinned. And lastly, this morning, number five, if you're taking notes, the atonement is the reconciliation of God and man through the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus provided a way so that you and I could be forgiven of all our sins. That sin could be covered, never, never again to be brought before the mind of God. You and I would be declared righteous or innocent or good when really we're not. And that declaration of righteousness is on the merit of His blood, not on the merit of our behavior. Thank the Lord for that. Because the Bible says that if we offend in one point, we're guilty of all. And the truth is, if Adam and Eve couldn't keep one commandment, you and I, we can't keep the ten or any other thereafter. Thinking about this reconciliation that God and man have through Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb, without blemish and without spot. Jesus was the one who lived with no sin so that He could die for all sinners. So what does He do? He trades with us. He took our sin upon Himself and He gives us His righteousness that we might appear righteous before God. He has paid the price of our sin. What a wonderful Savior. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 and 12 says, But Christ being come in high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood, He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. This morning I can stand before you and I can say I'm saved. A believer, a child of God, but it's not because I am good. It's because He died and shed His blood for me. It's because I received His offering and His blood has now been applied to my account. It's not my righteousness that allows me into the presence of God, but His. His blood makes atonement for our souls. Praise God. My sins are gone. There's a song that says that. You ask me why I'm happy, I'll just tell you why. Because my sins are gone. Isn't that good? They're underneath the blood of the cross of Calvary. They're far removed as darkness is from dawn. In the sea of God's forgetfulness. Hey, that's good enough for me. Praise God. 
My sins are gone. How about you? Have you received the atonement? Have you asked Christ to save you from your sins? Or are you still trying hard? You're still trying to do better. Listen, friend, it'll never be good enough. All of our righteousness, said the prophet Isaiah, are like a pile of filthy rags in God's sight. Everything we do is tainted by our sinfulness. And because of that, God cannot accept it until we come and submit and receive God's offering. The blood Jesus Christ shed on Calvary. And when that's applied to our account, then our sins are covered, blotted out with His blood, paid for by His sacrifice. And then and only then can we be given an entrance into heaven to be with Him. Atonement. Isn't that good? At one with God. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't have it today, I want to invite you to come and get it. Jesus paid it all. He died for you. And your sins can be forgiven too. Let's pray together. Father, how we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for this special word from God. Atonement. Lord, help us as we understand it, as we receive it. Lord, help us then to share it with others. Because not just us, but all of mankind, everybody we meet and talk to and know and love and work with, Lord, everyone needs Jesus. Everyone needs atonement. They need their sins forgiven to be paid for. And the only cleansing agent, the only offering that you will accept to take away sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. And may we be able to share that truth with others in a way that would cause them to want to receive Jesus as their Savior too. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.